If you've ever considered adding retreats to your studio offerings, then this is the episode for you. Hosting a retreat is one of the most fun ways to not only generate revenue for your studio, it's also an incomparable opportunity to create community and make connections with your clients that will truly last a lifetime. Listen in to hear a conversation I had with Roman, owner of the multiple location yoga studio, Gratitude Heart Yoga. He's been hosting retreats for his community for two decades, and he's sharing his insights about how to make this, about how to make retreats successful, including when to start planning, how to invite your community to come along in a very compelling way, and how to make sure everything runs smoothly once you and your clients are there. Get ready to pack your bags and be off to a blissful retreat planned and executed for success. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies, the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real-life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. Welcome back to the Pilates Business Podcast. I'm Saran, and I'm so thrilled that you are here with me today. Now, we are in 2023, and it's a well-known fact that travel is well and truly back on the agenda. And over the course of the last six to 12 months, hosting retreats has been a topic that has come up amongst the studio owners that I help inside of my Thrive Business Coaching Program. And since we've been discussing them there, I figured you might also want to hear more about retreats for yourself or even for your business. So I've invited Roman Spon to talk us through the process of designing, marketing, and hosting a successful retreat. Welcome, Roman. Thank you so much for having me, Saren. I'm so glad you're here. So just to give everyone listening a little bit of your background, um, you guys, Roman has been a yoga teacher for over 25 years. He has founded and um, supported many, many students and teachers through his student yoga study program and has owned and operated six yoga studios, trained hundreds of students, and he's helped um, to transform so many lives that he's touched along his journey as a teacher and studio owner. Today, he's based in North Carolina with two locations of Gratitude Hot Yoga there, as well as an additional location in Massachusetts, and a few more that might be coming soon as well. Now, he has hosted many, many retreats, both at home and abroad, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. So why don't we start at the beginning, Roman? Tell me about how hosting retreats came about for you in your business. It all happened when I was, I signed up for my very first yoga retreat in Tulum, Mexico with one of my very first teachers a long time ago. I had no idea what was going on. Um, I didn't have the money. I had to borrow some from my dad. I must've been 21, 22, however old I was. When I showed up to this, this beautiful place and practiced yoga, it was a yoga retreat. Um, I felt myself. I felt free. Uh, I had, I met incredible friends. Um, I had just an incredible, incredible time. So as a businessman, I looked back on this and I started doing the math and I started going, holy cow, look at all these people here. 
And I said to myself, you know what? One day I will start some kind of retreat somewhere. Um, in fact, I do remember saying that I actually wanted to go right back to that place, which is in Tulum, Mexico. I never quite realized that. Um, I actually had one plan to go there in actually three years ago. It was April of 2020. And we had to cancel it for obvious reasons. Um, so I never, I, I have not had a chance to go back there, but I do want to go back to the place where th this whole love and passion for retreats started. So, and every, and, and since then, you know, I've always want every year I tried, I've tried to create at least one yoga, yoga retreat away. And some years I was able to do two international and two regional retreats. And they've been really, really, really helpful to echo your introduction, which by the way, was, was, was awesome. You know, it's, it's definitely something that any entrepreneur is going to want to con consider if they want to grow their, their community and to add value to their, to their community and to their studios. Yeah, absolutely. So that's quite a few retreats you've hosted over the years. Roughly how many do you think you've hosted? I, I mean, it's, I mean, there's 40, right? I mean, maybe 50. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been, it's been tremendous. Yeah, amazing. Yes. So, tell us about you know the process of putting together a retreat. Where do you start, or do you <laughs> do you? Because <laughs> you've had you obviously have had. I said we only have it. We only have twenty. Right, really? <laughs> the whole process. Do <laughs> you have a pen? <laughs> That's right. Yes, I have a pen and many 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 notes that I need to take. Um, where do you, where do people, how, how do you get started with finding locations? I'm sure that's a part of it and, and putting together the plan for the, the week, the agenda, how does that all kind of come together? Where do you start? Well, we're in a, a really opportune time uh, to, to echo your introduction again. I mean, travel is back and it's back with a vengeance. I mean, everyone is so pet has been so pent up. Um, and the trial, I mean, I, I went on my own retreat in August. I went to Greece by myself to Crete um, to visit one of my teachers and there were 55 people there and you know from all walks of life everywhere around the country coming in and we traveled and it was just a fantastic time to get away so your 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 listeners are, are need to hear I think you're, you're in an opportune time because um, travel has opened so that's the good news it's also there are a lot of centers throughout the world that with a simple Google search, you'll, you'll, you'll have your pick of them. So finding a place is not really the hard, the hard thing to do because they're, they're really, when I say everywhere, I, I literally mean most every state has it. Most every country that I've researched has it. I did a quick search to kind of prepare for this. And, you know, I mean, in Indonesia, Europe, South America, Central America, all throughout the United States, um, the Virgin Islands. I mean, any any desirable travel locale also has some kind of center to host um, any type of retreat, whether it's a business gathering, a, a fitness retreat, whether a Pilates retreat or a, some kind of coaching session. Um, so you're, it's a really opportune time to do that. And I, I feel that I think doing a little bit of research with your community um, asking your, your student base, well, where would you like to go? I, that has been very helpful. Um, the way that I did it was asking a little bit more regionally, like, do you want to be in the US or do you want to go somewhere sunny? That's basically what I said. And most, most everyone says, I want to go somewhere sunny. 
Um, so then you, you just have to, you know, do, do some research, do your research, um, and figure out where, what resonates with you personally. I like the Caribbean and I just happened across Belize back when I went to Belize. I mean, I, I'm a kind of a solo traveler. So I landed in Belize. I befriended some of the locals there. I'm still friends with them now. I'm just the type of person that, you know, I kind of like follow my heart and I don't ever wait. I just do it. And I don't know if everyone's like that. So, you know, hopefully this, you know, this advice could resonate with some people, but either way you have to follow your heart. I mean, you really wouldn't want to follow something else because it might not be yours, but I landed in Belize when I did. And I befriended some locals there. They introduced me to some, um, some American oil businessmen who were opening a a resort there. And I literally met this guy and I told him what I wanted to do, which was telling him I wanted to do a retreat like up in uh, that, that was up in um, Mexico. He said, well, what do you need? I said, I need a circular place to fit a hundred people. He goes, okay, let's do it. And they, they created a palapa, a two story palapa for us. And this was in January. And he goes, when do you want to do it? I said, April. And we got four, we had 42 people and we had our first retreat in April of that year. So that's how I came about my, my initial retreat center, which I came back to it time and time and time and time again. And these days as a business owner, people are contacting me. I mean, I get it two, three emails every month from centers. Hey, gratitude, hot yoga. You know, I'm Giuseppe from Italy which just got an email from this, this, this center in Italy. It's beautiful. And I started talking about, it. I couldn't make it happen because it apparently gets really hot in July and August in Italy. And that's when I wanted to go September. I can't go and I can't go in May. So we're looking at next um, May to do it. So h- how does one choose it? You just got to follow your heart. Yeah. Right. And, and so when you found a location that works well, how do you think about, the um how do you put together the agenda and how far in advance do you really have to start planning for you to know it's going to be full and cost effective for you to to put a retreat on sure it's a base it's a basic business plan um you have to look at okay so to answer your question i mean it, it is it is real basic math you have to figure out what are the expenses there's going to be food there's going to be lodging there's going to be travel um at this stage in what in the development, the business development, what we're talking about, most centers have all of that information for you. So you would just have to take it back and create some reasonable um, projections on how many people would really want to go. And then it's again, it's just basic math. Um, I personally would like six months of planning. I did that first one in four months, but again, that was a long time ago you know, the universe was aligned. I pl- and, and even if you do plan, man plans, there's a saying, and God laughs. It's what happened in 2020. I, we planned going down to Tulum. We had to cancel. I've never had to cancel any other retreat because I think the planning is important. So I would say six months out. Um, and that would give you plenty of time to um, market to your community to prepare for it. And again, it, it is basic math because the, the center will give you, okay, each room is going to cost this. The food plan is going to cost this. Transportation from the airport to the center is going to cost this. The rental room is this. So there's, it's literally a fixed expense. 
Um, you'll then have to factor in international or national travel, which you can go on um, orbits.com and, and just do a quick search and get basically what it is. And then from there, I think it's very important that students are sincere enough that you ask them for a, a, a deposit and have some some sort of um, time frame where the deposit is refundable. Of course, you have to speak to the, to the, the center because most centers have very strict uh, re- refund policies and, and they don't ever bend. Um, so you, the last thing you want to do is be stuck with an open room or, or, or losing that. So you would have to communicate that to your client base. But I think someone who would be listening to a podcast like this, um, an episode like this, a, a, an entrepreneur, a business person, they understand that. I would say that they're, you know, you're offering a quality service. You have quality clients that want to follow you. So I would say o- over the years, personally, I've had maybe one or two people bail out and lo- lose their deposit. Of course, we weren't able to um, realize the the whole profit. But these were things that were out of our control, like passport. And one one time, a woman, her passport expired. They didn't let her go. Another woman got, you know, was was literally diagnosed with cancer. She couldn't come. Um, and one, like maybe one other example. But in general, you, your clients, you know, you're doing a great job. You're adding value. And when I say marketed, it's you know you're you're presenting the, the center. But in my view, it, you're the product. And they're going to follow you everywhere. So I think when you, you know, the center is going to be beautiful. All the boxes have to be checked. Of course, you know, it's got to be safe. There has to be a reputation, pictures, but ultimately you're the product. So I would say, I would say give it six months um, to, to plan. And I thought there was another part of your question in there. Did I answer your question? When would you, and how would you market a retreat? So what does that sort of marketing runway look like for you over the course of those six months? And how early on do you find that people are uh, willing to commit to a retreat? Is it is it last minute or is it that most folks like to plan way ahead? What have you found in your experience? I've done, uh, I'm going to share with you a strategy that I've, that I've always adhered to. It's just a part of my, it's just like organic. And, and this, strategy is outlined in a, in a recent book that I would recommend any entrepreneur. It's called Oversubscribed. You may have read it. And in that book, one of the things that I got from it is this, this sort of timing to answer your question, to create um, interest. So what I've always done was I've, I've, I've differentiated the clientele. You've got basically three types of clientele. You have the ones that'll pay anything to, to, be, to be coached and trained by you. And those are, you know, are one particular um, bucket of people. Then you have the ones that are kind of like, well, yes, but not now. They have to check or they have to do a bunch of other stuff. And then you have the last minute people. There's always going to be last minute people. What I focused on is that first bucket of people, that, you know, because of making sure that what I offer always produces raving fan, loyal clients that I've fallen in love with. Obviously, not intimately, but more like falling in love because it's a family. Think about where I spend all my time. It's with these men and these women and within these organizations. So there's a very deep bond there. And people will, will, will pay pretty much anything to, 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 to be in that relationship. And because the relationship is a, is a fulfilling relationship. And then you have the middle bucket, which are people that need a little bit more um, information, a little bit more coaching. 
And then the last minute people who simply for logistical reasons can't make it. So what I found is the first thing I do is prior to signing any papers, talk about it with everybody. Hey guys, I'm, and this is, this is what I would say is I am super excited. I would love to go down to Billy's 24 and I've been going there for 20 years. I know you've seen the pictures. I've known you've seen what I've done before. Um, I just want to let you know, it's no promises, but if we were to go, who's interested? And just, you know, that would be verbally in, in my classes. And I would start to just take a note to self. And then in my marketing, I, I also provide probably four or five days a week, um, meaningful inspiration through, through an email. I call it my inspirational emails. And I can gauge who clicks on that and shows interest. If someone clicks, they're clicking for a reason. So there's interest there. So through my speaking about it in all of my context with all of my team, and then through the marketing and checking on that data that comes back from Constant Contact or whatever you decide to use, we use Constant Contact, I can, I'm, I'm then building interest. And if you get a chance to read the book or for some of your listeners, reread the book, uh, oversubscribed, the author talks about a process of um, creating a little bit of urgency. Um, sincerely, of course, saying, look, we had 500 people show interest in this retreat, but we can only take 20. I'm going to be opening up registration on July 4th. And just want to let you know, in between that point, which is a little further out, and it, it all depends if you have a six month window, I would say give it a six week pre marketing build up in interest. But within that six weeks, now you want to give as much information to the students that are interested as possible. So now you have an email list and it has nothing to do with selling. It's just like, here's the past retreat. When you go on this retreat, you're going to learn about this method or we're going to work on this particular technique or we're going to work on this, whatever the, the pain point might be in, in the particular client. Um, and then continue to build interest. Remind them respectfully at the bottom, guys, we've got a boatload of people interested and we can only take 20 people. I mean, be sincere. I think that's the most important thing that you tell them the truth. And it's always worked. It's always worked. And then when the time comes, you have the that, that first group of people, they bang it right out. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm planning a retreat and I'm using this strategy. Um, we're going to the mountains of North Carolina for a four-day retreat, October 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. And we're, we're already half full. So, And then there's there's a plenty of, of interest after that. And those people who are really interested are usually the ones you call it, we can call them last minute, but the ones between now and a week before are going to say, I'll grab that spot, I'll grab that spot. But I think the, ur the urgency has to always be communicated. Like, look, it's going to happen. And when it's done, it's done. I mean, that's the way it is. It's it's over. And we'll be coming back from the mountains. And I, we, I really don't want you to wish that you were gone. So why don't we talk about it? Do you have any questions? Like always, you know, there there are multiple books and experts that you can source on, on how to elicit that type of response and really get people to respond because we're busy. People are busy. I mean, I just looked at my inbox. I must have 70 emails in there. It's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we've often feel whenever we're marketing anything or that 
we must be talking about it all the time and people must be getting annoyed at how much we're talking about something. But the reality is that someone, anybody, you have to hear something quite a few times and often in, in different places and diff in different ways before they even sort of sit up and take notice, right? So they get an email from you and then they hear from you, you know, they hear about it in the class and then someone else mentioned it to them that they also were thinking about going. And then all of a sudden, then it's on their radar and they're thinking about it themselves, you know, and that's kind of the process we all go through with a lot of things. And, you know, I think as the business owner, we have to sort of take a, ignore that funny feeling we might get that we are just like talking about it so much, but that's what's necessary in order for it to be um, something that someone is is thinking about and that is considering, right? 100%. Um, back 20 years ago when I was selling, because I think everything, it doesn't move unless it's sold. Every yoga class I teach is a sale. I'm selling people on coming back. Now, how you do it, you know, you know, there's elegance and there's grace and there's intelligence and there are ways to communicate respectfully and there are ways that you don't. But everything is a sale. And back 20 years ago, when I was studying marketing, the average interaction with a, with a client before the client pays was like seven or something like that. But because we're inundated with information, the last time I, I studied this, which was like, I don't know, a year ago, I think it's like 25 interactions or something like that. So an interaction. Yeah, it's like 35. Yeah, it's 30 something now. Yeah. So to be clear for, I think for your viewers, my, my perspective and interaction is like you tell it once, that's one. And then you send an email, that's two. And then they click, that's three. And then you send them another email, that's four. I really appreciate what you said is like when you feel that urge, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to piss people off or I don't want to push people away. In this day and age, if someone doesn't want your marketing materials, they'll opt out. And you kind of, in my opinion, you want them to opt out because you don't want to talk to someone that is not interested. And a lot of people, they're, because of the information age, we're silent and we're just watching. And as long as you continue to trust that and give sincere, quality marketing and, and information and advice, the time will come where they'll either click, or they'll opt out, or they'll respectfully say, look, I, got, I have enough emails from you. I got too many. Um, and, and tell you, no, they don't want to go or whatever the story. But I like your advice. Continue to, to market it. It's our, it's our responsibility. And if you want to fill your retreats, <laughs> you have, you have to, to do it. it. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think, you know, like you said, it, it has to be sincere, right? And if you believe 100%. that your retreats, for example, is going to be amazing, right? Which it, I think it will be. I'm sure you think it will be. And so if you are, if you truly believe that, that it is going to be wonderful and people are going to have a, a wonderful time, then you are coming from a place of authenticity, right? And that it comes, that is, that does come through in the tone and the way that you engage and interact with the people that you are talking about this opportunity with. And I think that you have to remember that also. And, and, and I think uh, we, oftentimes we fear being like someone else we've known in the past who has perhaps been a little bit pushy and has made us feel uncomfortable. And we don't want to be like that person. But what that is the difference between that person and perhaps what you're doing and what a lot of the studio owners are doing whenever they're selling anything is they're actually coming from a place of genuine alignment with their values. And they truly, you truly believe that 
it's you're coming from a, from a true belief, which I think conveys itself in a different way to something perhaps that might not have that behind it. Agreed. Agreed. And it's, if you remember early on, I said that there, our clients are paying for our, the relationship that we have with them. So they already love and respect you. You're already adding value. If it's your first retreat, there's going to be a learning curve. There are multiple resources out there. In other words, there are books that you can get there. You can go online and, and, and research my first you know, yoga retreat or my first breakout session or my first mastermind. I mean, honestly, I've, it's everywhere. And there's some really good advice. And I really haven't found any bad advice because, I, you know, like I said, I did a little bit of research for this call because I wanted to you know, know what's going on a little bit out there and be able to speak to it. Um, so your trust, trust that they love you and they're buying you. There's going to be a learning curve at the first one. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be great, you know? So tell us, cause you know, it, it's not just about the planning, right? If you've planned your retreat well, enough in advance, you've, you've lined it up, you've been talking about it. You've been, um, using all those different touch points you have with your students and your clients to engage them and get them excited about it. And you've got a full retreat. So now there you are landing in Belize or the Caribbean or Italy, right? Um, and how do you make sure, what do you do or what have you learned about, you know, over the course of the last 20 years doing this, um, about how to make sure a retreat is enjoyed by all, including yourself, the chief organizer you can't (laughs) (laughs) because people because people are people and you can't make everyone feel anything i think that's unreal it's unreal it's unrealistic because people are you're all all walks of life are going to come um some people are not going to like the sand they're not going to like the sun they're not going to like you know beans or um vegetarian meals they might not like soft beds. Um, they might not, they might want a firm bed. <laughs> so, so th- there's, there's a, there, there's a re there has to be a reasonable boundary or you're, you're going to be driven crazy. And when the um, presenter is in an unresourceful state, it, it just can all go downhill. Um, there was one retreat <laughs> where that happened personally, where, and that's that's why we're, we're, I'm smiling because I really wanted everyone to. I tried. I wanted to control it basically. That's what I wanted everyone to make have a great time, you know. So what did what did I do? And this was like retreat number three. I I, I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this agreement. I'm gonna create an agreement with people because I don't want people drinking alcohol in the Caribbean on a, on a yoga retreat. Not a not a good idea, bro. So when I first got like, so basically uh, we got there and then several, about a third of the group got there early and I was in my palapa and I, you know, I usually just let people, you know, get there and settle in. So I think it was about 20 people that were going. So about eight or nine, eight, you know, about seven people were there early. I come out of my palapa and I look at the bar and everyone's right at the bar, just drinking their, drinking their faces off. So I started getting really anxious about that. And it put me in a really bad place to do that. Now, that's just one example. And I think it's an extreme example. And I don't think anyone would do that. Um, so I think to the people that are coming, I think having meetings before you go is really important. Um, 
and several meetings with every every everybody that's participating. Unless you're getting people from other parts of the country, which um, I've had a couple show up, several you know three or four people show up over the years that were not a part of my organization but found us you know for one one way or the other, and it's always just been great. However, I have been on several retreats where other people came in that were there that the facilitator wasn't their mentor or their teacher, and there was some disconnect. So what what I what I always do is we always have a meeting, several meetings beforehand where everyone meets there, and I, I do my very best to set expectations, to talk to the experience as much as I can, to talk to the travel experience, to try to look. Like, like I said, the food, the bed, the this, and those are all because all the things that people have, have expressed to me, you know, the bug spray, the sneakers, should I bring a sundress? What should I, you know, all this stuff. So I, I talk to it and I joke in this way. And what it does is it eases people's, their, their nerves down and they start to visualize and I try to bring them there. Um, I let them know they're going to be uncomfortable. Um, I ask questions like, you know, who's traveled before? And, you know, you get that and they talk a little bit, oh, how was your travels? And I, I try to learn from the group as well. And what that does is, and also some people you don't know, and they're like, well, I never traveled before. This is the first time I'm leaving you know, the country. Ah, oh, who else is leaving the country? So then people can, can partner up and, and have travel partners. Most every retreat, you know, there's only, if we're going here or there, it doesn't matter where we're going or, or we're driving or there's always more than one person going to be on the same flight. So who's on the same flights? I think it's very important to organize that. So to make the retreat per your question about making sure everyone, I think a lot of upfront work before you get there. So now their expectations are set. You're in the facilitator is in the most resourceful place. And then if the shit hits the fan, I thought about that. I was like, all right, this grown up's listening to this. I can say that I can be myself. If the shit hits the fan, if something happens, you can handle it. So when you're there, you also want to, If at first it was just all me and I handled all complaints about everything. And at the time I was ready for it, I can do it. But then I found an incredibly lovely person who is just amazing with people. So much better than me. And I, and I said, here is the front person. So that front person is able to be a buffer because invariably when someone is when we humans are taken out of our comfort zones we're going to be exposed and we want our methodology whatever it might be pilates method the bar method you know the feldenkrais method yoga psychotherapy it who, who doesn't really matter. we we want that to help we want them to be able to receive the teachings essentially Invariably, people could be upset, and then a front person, someone that is legitimately good with people and respected in the community, can can um, can be very very helpful. I think that's really helpful. So, upfront, making sure you meet with the people before you leave at least once, ideally two or three times, um, in a, in a social kind of gathering. We have um, pubs and, ba- and and bars and such around our our locations. Right across is a wine bar. Everyone sits down and we're, we're, we're chatting or after a class where everyone's relaxed and just have open communication. Make sure everyone has your phone and be available, you know, be available for people. I would say get there a day early so you, the facilitator, can unwind, you know, go in, do the sniff test, figure out, you know, make sure every everything's good. Talk to the chef, talk to the thing, make sure, you know, whatever props you're using arrive, everything's all set. 
That's all really, really helpful advice. Thank you so much, Roman, for being so open and sharing so much about um, your experience with the retreats with us. You're very welcome. So where can people find you, perhaps learn a bit more about you and perhaps even come and take one of your trips with you? Oh, that's awesome. So my website is gratitudehotyoga.com. I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We also have a center in Massachusetts on Cape Cod. Um, Feel free to reach out on my website, on one of the contact forums, say that you saw, saw me on this and I'd be more than happy to, you know, give you, you know, help you out as much as I can. Thank you so much, Roman. I so appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. So there you have it, you guys, all the top tips on how to run a really successful retreat. I hope this is really helpful to you all as you go about building your boutique fitness businesses. And if you love what you're hearing, I'd be so incredibly appreciative if you could take just a quick minute to go to wherever you're listening to this and rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to me. And also make sure that this podcast gets out there into the community so that more teachers and more studio owners just like you can feel supported and encouraged on their journey and industry. Did you love this episode and want more? Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder, there is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So whatever it is that you want to do, create or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm